Right, so it's quite simple, Dave. How much, in light of what you've just heard, should horse racing be worried about the idea of these affordability checks being brought into, into law? Well, I, I think it should be worried, certainly. I mean, as, as Colin Horde said then, it, it does involve an awful lot of intrusion into your own private fiscal affairs. It was a very good piece by Robin Oakley in The Spectator uh, on this subject. I mean, th those of us who have worked in the industry for as long as, as you and I have, uh, as Colin uh, alluded to, that, that it, it does seem as though this is a very, very difficult thing to police and to enforce, doesn't it? In the sense that you can... That there are, if, with, with the FOBTs uh, reduction in stakes... It's easy to police. You can't go somewhere else and feed money into a property, which is, I know, a very a, a small but easily identifiable part of the problem. Um, with affordability checks, that there are myriad ways of avoiding and evading that, aren't there? Yes, there are, including including just going into a high street shop, um, absolutely, handing over as much cash as you can get your hands on. I, I think that. Um, this is an interesting balance between. Obviously, this is a fashionable. Uh, it, it, it's 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 a, uh, an item that's very much in the public consciousness. Mm. The the ills of gambling uh, to society. It's often an, an, an uncomfortable marriage between the Guardian and the Daily Mail, yeah, where I, they it, go for the same thing. And indeed, Labour and Tory politicians. Go on, this sorry. is it. And as I said at the beginning of the program, it's 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 it's, it's perfect for newspapers, tabloid and broadsheet, because it's setting up this sort of binary yeah. uh, issue between the libertarians and the, and the sort of n nanny state, if you like. I mean, it's worth bearing in mind, and I'm not trying to be falsely optimistic or foolishly optimistic about this, but the, the principal reason for this review is to bring gambling legislation up to date. And since the last gambling review... The big changes are people just betting over and over again on smartphones and in terms of turnover on football. So I think that that's going to be the, uh, the area that's, that's, that's in the centre of the crosshairs, if you like. Not to say that racing won't be affected, I'm sure it will be. Um, but I, I wonder if there might actually be a positive in this for racing, whereby gambling... Uh, companies cannot advertise that they're limited in spending money in other ways and maybe that might be spent on horse racing. Maybe that's a, fool, a foolish and a false hope but it's certainly, it's certainly a possibility. We are going to know so much more seven days from now, I'm, I'm quite sure of that. Let's talk about some of the week's other news issues because there's been plenty in the news. Oh, well, Southall, first of all, and this, I must say this passed me by, Dave, but the, the local council have objected to the laying down of the new surface at Southern, which was going to turn it into the brand-new, spanking, shiny, best all-weather track in the country. Indeed. Uh, this is actually a story that we first broke in the Daily Mirror in 2018. Really? Uh, January 2018, about the uh, switch from uh, Fiverrsan to, to, to Peter. And it, it was then uh, two years later. Is that the royal we broke the story in the Daily Mirror? Uh, yeah, sort of. Yeah, but it, yeah. Was, yeah, it was, it was my you, story. You broke yes. the story in the um, mirror. But it's a team game, so we broke it. And um, obviously then this was uh, revealed in the, in the trade paper recently. But there has been an objection. I, I think the, uh, the switch of surfaces must be... is going to be uh, voted on by the 
Newark and Sherwood District Council, I think, next month. But there has been an objection because um, fibre sand, uh, because Topeta contains the chemical ethylene, which, according to the, uh, the, the people who, who objected to it uh, this week, is, or last week, was a, a chemical that is in, injurious to, uh, toxic to both humans and animals. Of course, Michael Dickinson, the, the man who invented Topeto, has said that the, the surface is, of course, uh, absolutely safe uh, for all forms of life. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I should stress that it's not just... Th this is not, I repeat, not uh, a move by the local councillors to stop uh, fibre sand being replaced by Topeto because they love betting on those fibre sand horses who turn up at Southall uh, and grind out the business time and time again and can't do anything on other surfaces. So, um, how is this going to unfold, do you think? Uh, they, will, uh, they will approve the new surface and Southall will get Topeto and in time Wolverhampton will be closed and sold for... Uh, housing, I suspect. Okay, although representatives of ARC, when last questioned about that, um, strongly refuted claims that Wolverhampton would be closed. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Now, Aidan O'Brien made the point this week when talking after the international classifications that he would be prepared to base staff in the UK if he needed to in order to facilitate horses running in classics with a continuation of the pandemic. That's not such a, a news story in and of itself, Dave. It's more... It's more, shouldn't some of the jumps trainers who are wanting to run at the spring festivals be adopting a similar strategy, or at least prepared for those events? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's the, the nub of it, really, isn't it? In that, um, of course, Aidan O'Brien was fined four grand, wasn't it, for, uh, that was the week before last, I think, for the, the mix-up in the Phillies Mile, where, of course, the, the two horses were uh, confused for each other by staff who were based in the UK and they weren't as familiar maybe with the, the two fillies as they should have been and so uh, there was that mix-up. And of course what this uh, doesn't do is prevent this sort of thing happening again necessarily. We didn't really think it would happen in the first place, I don't think. But you've, you, you've got to the absolute crux of this matter and that is surely this is something that's going to happen with Irish trainers and staff with regard to Cheltenham and probably Aintree as well, isn't it? I, I, would, have th I would have thought so. And, and we've discussed this before on, on this show. We discussed it last week. It, it, is the prevailing situation just going to mean that some of those Irish trainers will run fewer horses at the Cheltenham Festival? Well, I wondered that, and I wondered whether... I mean, obviously, if there are going to be fewer horses, we know which ones that are going to be the first out of the balloon, if I can mm. uh, use that... Uh, um, that phrase with, with regard to thoroughbreds is going to be the ones who are the bigger prices, isn't it? We're not going to see the stable stars uh, not turn up because of uh, staffing difficulties uh, with COVID-19. So I suspect we probably will see fewer Irish runners, but obviously we'll, we'll still see the stars. I mentioned the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board, the IHRB, uh, in conversation with Tim Husbands and the difficult weeks that they've had and I'm not just talking about the Charles Burns case either there's a story today suggesting there's been a whistleblower on illegal substances I'm sure we're going to hear more about that story they, they see they, there are going to be more bad news stories to follow 
for the Irish regulator. There was a story again this week, Dave, about them being unable to put into place the intended plan to test horses in premises that aren't licensed because COVID had meant they hadn't been able to train the officers um, swiftly enough. Yes, and a spokesman for uh, the IHRB said to the Racing Post that this wasn't going to delay the testing system and that as soon as everybody was trained up, the testing would roll out. But it seems to be that the training has been held back by the COVID-19 crisis. And so it looks as though, uh, I think Tim Husband's referred to gaps in service delivery. And obviously the IHRB is undergoing a tough time at the moment. The, the storm clouds are gathering over Irish racing and probably by association UK racing too. Um, people will be well, well aware of the, the Sunday Times journalist David Walsh and the Herculean job, he, an extremely courageous job uh, he did in the battle with Lance Armstrong over the years before he was finally exposed as having taken EPO and winning those uh, seven Tour de France. Uh, Paul Kimmage, of course, of the Irish Independent, another person who uh, was a huge part of that story and of that struggle to bring Walsh to justice. Both those journalists have got their teeth into this issue at the moment. Uh, Paul Kimmage spoke of the omerta in Irish racing, the, 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 the culture of uh, secrecy that, uh, that the word of course comes from um, the Irish Cosa Nostra, the, the, the branch of the Mafia in Sicily. Um, now there may exist an omerta uh, as things stand now but I suggest that that probably won't last for very long particularly the story that broke on Friday with the whistleblower uh, who's been working with uh, Catherine Murphy of the, um, who's the, uh, the politician in, in County Kildare. Yeah, so there's quite a bit about that last part of that story that's pretty opaque at the moment, but again, it'll, be, uh, it, it'll become clearer. Now, Cheltenham crowds, I think even the most ardent optimist, Dave, would suggest that crowds at Cheltenham are unlikely, but the executive are keen to stress that it's not impossible if there's any movement on the, on the government side. Eek. This is a very, very tricky one, isn't it? I mean, for weeks... When I, when I say crowds, I mean a smattering, maybe, yeah. of owners prioritised and the odd fan. Yeah, we, we don't expect that there are going to be full stands, do we, for one moment. But I think this is one where... Racing has to tread very carefully, don't you? Because I think that Cheltenham got, in my opinion, an awful lot of unfair stick for the festival in 2020 being staged. Uh, it, it did so in accordance with government advice, and I think that lots of newspapers whose journalists have, have I think, a lot of the time quite lazy and ill-researched uh, pieces into that decision to... Uh, hold the festival. Lots of newspapers, if you said to reach PLC, the bosses of the Daily Mirror, the Express and the Star, we want you to can your big readers' mm. festival because uh, of, a, of a public health issue, but the government says we advise you to proceed, there's no way that reach bosses would say, right, well, we're going to can it anyway. But there is a... We are behind square one, aren't yeah. we, in that sense? I, 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 sp I suppose the... I suppose what the executives might be thinking is that if schools are going back on the 8th of March potentially 
so there is a, some sort of lifting of restrictions. Do we then go back into what was a sort of, I don't know, tier three slash four situation? And that would then allow within that egg template from before, say, owners at the race course or whatever. Yeah, it's very tricky. I mean, I, I, I wrote to Oliver Dowden months and months ago, didn't even get one of those uh, things to say the, the MP has uh, received passed on your, your, passed on your concerns will to the minister. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and I know, you know, we've, we've spoken regularly to on-course bookmakers and the difficulties that they've had, and that... that it, let's be honest about it. There are aspects of this science that are absolutely bonkers. You can't play golf at the moment. You can't play tennis. But you can stand next to someone in, in a shop or, or public transport. I don't, I don't understand that. And I, I know we've got to move on. I don't see why over the last few months that there can't be a government committee that says, right, what do we think about golf then? Yeah, two people per tee, not four. They must wear this, that and the other. But they can play. I, I, why can't that be because done? There would be thousands of activities that they could work through. I think it can under a tier system, but if you're in the middle of a national lockdown, it is, you yeah. know, and I understand that, I understand that. Um, let's talk about the stable form of the Tizard Yard, which I know is something you wanted to touch upon. It's not as though it hasn't been spoken of, but it, it is becoming a real concern. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is a very interesting issue, stable form, isn't it? Which, as, as you mentioned earlier in the programme, Lee Mottershead uh, had written a piece about in the Racing Post this week and it's 39 days since the Tizard team had a winner it's 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 the it, I think it's the it was I can't remember the horse's name it's at Huntingdon I think the final day before the Christmas break does that work out yeah, yeah. It probably does and in that time of course there have been defeats if not necessarily disappointments for some of the stables' big names. The reason that this story uh, w was written this week, of course, is that uh, at Newbury on Saturday week, uh, we're going to see Native River and, and probably we'll see a couple of other horses from uh, the Tizard team that will be their Cheltenham hopefuls. And uh, so th there will be people who say, if you're measuring stable form by the number of days since the last winner, you are a caveman. But I would respond to that by saying, well, if I wanted a right few quid on a horse that is near the front of the market for a particular race, I'd like to see the stable having a few winners. The, the, there, is a, there is possible um, good news, I suppose, for the yard. In the last two or three stable, the last two or three seasons, they've had fantastic yeah. uh, run-ups to Cheltenham and then apart from a couple of high-profile successes the festival hasn't been a particularly happy four days for the Tizard team maybe think it might go the other way at this time round. Yeah it, it is it is a fact that that trainers tend to have times of the year where they do well and those those things are not coincidental. But this is this is now mm. a time December, January, we're used to seeing the Tizards knock them in left, right and centre, aren't we? You know as night follows day, this corner is about to turn. And of course the clever puncher is the one who identifies exactly when it's going to turn and starts getting over the odds for the next however many horses. Yeah, Fair. I, 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 and I really hope it does. It's, mm. it's great dealing with the Tizard team, but you know, it's, an, it's, a, it's a matter of fact that it's 39 days since they had their last winner. Now, you know as well as I do, you are not going to get over the odds on any horse ridden by Benoit de la Sayette any time in the near future because this um, guy is a, is a star. There is no doubt. He was a pony racing star in, in the East Anglia region and, and across the country. 
Um, his father worked for Godolphin in the in the in the heyday, and here he is just steering a whole slew of winners to victory for a variety of trainers, including his boss John Gosden. I mean, that tells you something in itself. And the new training sensation, the similarly exotically named Kevin Philippard de Foy. So the De La Sayette de, de Foy partnership is something we're going to be talking about plenty as well. Well, you've said in that preamble there that he's the stable, uh, or he's apprenticed to John Gosden, and that does tell its own story, doesn't it? In the this, this does not look like a seven-pound claimer. No. He's, is, it, is it seven winners from his last 21 rides? Is that correct? Yeah, he's going at 33%, yeah. yeah. He's uh, only ridden 21 rides. He's yeah. had seven Sorry, winners. Yeah, yeah. He's five from his last 15. Yeah. Um, yeah, very, it, it's very promising. We, we've, it looks, uh, for all the challenges of the last few months, it looks as though we've got some, some very promising young riders mm. on the flat. Of course, Laura Pearson is one who's uh, had a, a, a wonderful December and has continued uh, that on in, uh, into the new year. So... Yeah, it's, it, it, as I say, that the, the fact that he's with the Gosden team tells much of its own story, doesn't it? Because even in the early days of their career, very promising sportsmen tend to get hitched up pretty early to the big concerns. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting in the way that Cawthon was exciting when he was 17 and Dottori when he first came over at 16, 17 and started to do really well. I mean, I know the sport reveres diligence and hard work above all else and that's quite right in many respects but when you see a bit of natural flair it's there's nothing like that's what we that's what all sports fans like to see isn't it is is exactly that that magic of course and those were this week's talking points